Good evening, everyone. Thank you for coming. Uh, a couple words on Chrysostom that we're chanting, but at the beginning of each class, if you really enter into the deep meaning of Chrysostom, everything of our Krishna conscious philosophy is contained in these eight prayers by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. From those you could expand the whole philosophy of, uh, of Sri Chaitanya, which is uh, our Gaudiya Vaishnavism. You could start at the beginning at, with the beginning uh, at the beginning, in the beginning of understanding the significance of uh, spiritual endeavor and uh, end with uh, absolute, complete uh, surrender as embodied by the by those that, that know the truth more than anyone else which would be, of course, Srimati Radharani. In fact, uh, our tradition says that this last verse by Sri Chaitanya is actually spoken by her. So, she's the quintessential bhakta in every regards. So it's good to enter into these prayers uh, as often as we can, uh, daily if possible. But at least at the beginning of my classes, I think we'll continue with this. And... Uh, Gradually, step by step, you can read uh, Swami Tripurari's book on the Sixasticum. You can read other presentations on these prayers. Or if you'd like to really dive into Sixasticum, you start at the beginning of the Chaitanya Charitamrita, and then at the end of the Chaitanya Charitamrita, you'll come to these Sixasticum prayers again. So, uh, there's different ways to approach. Uh, for now, we'll just approach the Sanskrit verses uh, every class. And, uh, if I get started talking about it, uh, that could take a few months, as Bhakti can attest. <laughs> so I'll stay on topic tonight. Tonight, I think our topic will be the Bhagavat Sandarbha of Srila Jiva Goswami. He is drawing out different uh, truths in order to support um, Krishna's transcendental position. And this evening's Anucheda, or section of Tattva, is uh, the partial expansions of Krishna are also transcendental. So I'll just read a little of the Anucheta for you. First of all, a little recap. In the following Anucheta, the one we're going to study tonight, Srila Jiva Goswami will show that the expansions of Sri Krishna have the same qualities as himself. In this regard, he refers to Sri Brahma's experience from Brahma Mohanalila. So this specific Leela is is truly the embodiment of the philosophy of Achinta Beta Beta Tattva simultaneously one and difference if we can we can enter into uh, deeply an appreciation of this Leela then uh, this philosophy of simultaneous one and difference uh, will gradually start to manifest and in our hearts so we can truly enter into it. It's, it's a difficult thing to understand when we think about it, that we're, we're God. What else could we be? What else, everything that's coming into existence has to come from a source, and that source has to be that supreme being, that supreme entity. 
no matter how you look at the entity, no matter what your mode of worship, uh, whether you feel it's simply a, a spiritual energy or a uh, eminent self, a self that's everywhere, or has having those characteristics and more, having his own personality, having his own uh, qualities, distinct from those energies that manifest from him. So this Achinta Beta Beta Tattva is it's the key, it's the linchpin of truly understanding our, our ourselves. And understanding it correctly is it's not something to be taken lightly. If we take it too lightly, then there's no worship of God. Why would I want to worship? I'm God. The chinta beta beta tattva. Beta beta tattva. I'm just like God. There's no difference between the two of us. So what need is there on my part for entering into a different, a deeper revelation regarding my being because I'm already there. So if we take it on the light side, it can lead to spiritual suicide. That's how far it can go. And if we take it to the other extreme, then, then it, we're confounded with all kinds of self-deprecation, is all you could say. That I'll never, I can never come to a, a relationship with the Supreme because I have nothing to offer. There's God up there on his throne in heavens above, and here I am down here in the in the muck of material life and overcome by madness, illusion, envy, lust, anger. So there's truly no... Never the, tw the tw what is it, twain shall meet? The two can't come together. So where, where's that middle ground between beta and abeta? Being different from the Lord and being like the Lord. The middle ground is understanding that, well, the middle ground begins with an understanding that we are consciousness. And the ultimate issue, everything associated with our material existence is foreign to our true self. It's foreign. The body is foreign to us. The material emotions associated with the body are, are foreign to us. Although some of the emotion of our true self, spiritual emotion, does leak through. We can't deny that. If there were no spiritual emotions coming through, uh, then, then material life itself would be void of, of any pleasure at all. So Krishna explains that he's the background for material existence and he's the background for all the living entities. Mamaivam so jiva loke jiva bhuta sanatana The living entities in this material world are my fragmental parts and parcels. They are in me and they are mine. And that little bit of fragmental they are mine 
makes existence in the world possible for us. And because we do live in a world of duality, we don't we see the majority of our of those that we associate it with as more separate from us than the same as us. Therefore, generally speaking, the family units, the, the quintessential uh, hub around which our life revolves, it begins there. And sometimes that doesn't even work for us. Sometimes that, especially at this, in this age of man, is most difficult for us. But that's where it begins, and from there it goes out. Our family, our close community of friends. And then if there's some, some deeper contemplation we can start to expand our conscious appreciation beyond the bounds of, of our locale. And we see, well, actually, there's no difference between me and, 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 and anybody, anywhere. And when I say anybody, I mean everybody. Everybody independent of whatever body they have. So I can see kinship with, between myself and other living entities that aren't even in my species. So the broad-mindedness can come to the degree that I realize that the body is not the self. To the degree that I see the body is the self then immediately I become sectarian. And the sectarian influence begins there. And my sect is my family or my close-knit community of friends. But I don't see other living entities as anything but, a, but sustenance. They're there for, for me. So I can. I have no community with them. There's a distinction between their body and mine. My body, I have more intelligence, I have more strength as far as abilities to overcome other, other, other living entities and. Therefore, if I exploit them, that's, there's no loss because they're not the same as me. So this Achinta Beta Beta Tattva is so significant to our entering deeply into spiritual life. And Jiva Goswami mentions in this Anucheta that this particular Brahma, Vimohan Lila, the bewilderment of Brahma and seeing that actually Krishna is that is that central source of every living entity. It's the beginning point. Now it plays out in Vraj Leela and it has a lot of deep spiritual implications in it. Uh, but these are partial expansions. These expansions of Krishna come in different degrees of Krishna-ness or Godness. There's different expansions of God and there's different, they all have a different level of godliness or unadulterated pure consciousness. And that consciousness is affected both by quality and quantity. So when we have the, the absolute, complete embodiment of all 
transcendent qualities and all quantity of existence in one personality that we refer to as the supreme absolute truth and hundreds and millions of other names as Lord Chaitanya points out in the Sixosticum. Oh my Lord, you have hundreds and millions of names. They all explain, try to give us some glimpse into your unlimited spiritual qualities. But I am so unfortunate that I have no attraction for any of them. Why am I Stordivum? Why is this in me, this Stordivum? I have no attraction. I have no attraction because I'm seeing that there's a difference between myself and God. I'm seeing there's something, he's here and I'm there. But there is a difference between us. This is the balance that constitutes true entrance into spiritual revelation. This spiritual revelation begins by Sabda Brahman, by hearing. We hear, and it ends in a revelation where we are actually fully immersed in the Supreme. So it's not that it's hearing, we're not, we're not perceiving the Supreme. It begins there. We are perceiving the supreme absolute truth through sound vibration, subda Brahman. And eventually this takes us to the point of para Brahman, where we actually fully experience with all of the senses simultaneously the supreme absolute truth. Achinta Beta Beta Tattva. So, this is what Sri Shaitanya Mahaprabhu came to give us. Achinta Beta Beta Tattva. What does this deepest philosophy and theism allow one to comprehend in relationship to not only the Supreme Lord? but their own true self, it lets them enter into a depth of sambandagyan, of spiritual knowledge regarding that relationship between the self and the super-self that will allow one to truly have and culture love for the Supreme perfectly. As long as that Sambandagyan of Achinta Beta Beta Tattva is in any way superseded by misconceptions regarding ourself and the Supreme, then that deepest love between ourself and the Supreme cannot be realized. So, to what Jiva has to say in this regard, he's given us so many lessons about the supreme absolute truth, and now he, now he comes to this. Even the partial expansions of Krishna are also transcendental. Well, we're one of those expansions. We're also transcendental. Shri Goswami will show that expansions of Sri Krishna have the same qualities as him. In this regard, he refers to Sri Brahma's experience from Brahma Mohan Leela. Sri Sukha says, this is from the 13th chapter, the 54th verse of the 10th canto. The Vishnu forms... So remember the Brahma Mohan Leela, Brahma, the creator of the universe, decided to trick the Supreme Lord who is playing like a human being. 
he's not he's not a human being like we're a human being but sometimes he can appear to be a human being if he so desires he can appear to be anything that he desires he's God I mean what's holding him back <laughs> if he came up with everything to begin with what, what can hold him back from being whatever he wants so if he wants to play like a human being he can so he's playing like a human being and the creator of the universe is like well let me join in the fun yeah just see he's, 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 he's acting like a human being what a mystic potency that is for him that he's he's bewildered all his friends into thinking he's just like that one of them but he's actually God that's pretty far out I have some mystic power too maybe I'll steal all of his little friends and stuff them away in a cave somewhere and see how he deals with that just out of fun so he did it oh my gosh that was not really a good idea. <laughs> so he steals all the calves and all the cowherd boys that Krishna was going to eat with that day. And they're just getting ready to eat. And one calf runs off and Krishna says, you guys just go ahead and get your lunch ready. I'll be right back and we'll have lunch together. And he runs off to get the calf and he comes back. And they're all gone. All of them. Every last calf, every last cowherd boy has disappeared from the scene. Krishna was bewildered for half a moment. And then he realized this is Brahma. And not only did he come to his full sense of this was the mystic opulence of Brahma that he immediately expanded himself into every single calf and every single cowherd boy exactly as they were. But he expanded his very self into those forms with the same kind of horns, the same kind of dresses, the same colors, the same jewelry, the same kind of horns and hooves, the same colors of their bodies, every single aspect of every one of the associates and calves that were with Krishna that day for lunch, he immediately became all of them. Now, Time is a very interesting element. It's hard to really coordinate times between not only one species and another, but between the inhabitants of one atmosphere within the material world and another, or a planet. We can call atmosphere, we could say planet, but sometimes you you end up on a planet which is very heavenly and your lifetime there, compared to the lifetime you have here, is very, very, I mean, we millions of years. In one body. We're here, we think our body, we're in this body for at the most a hundred years. Now Brahma, he's, he's in a very special position. His time is even longer than, much, much longer than the time experienced in the most heavenly of heavenly planets. So he looks away for a moment. And then he looks back. He's, he's placed all the calves and the cows, cowherd boys, in, in a cave, in a mountain. 
And a moment later he looks back and there's Krishna taking lunch with all of his friends. And all the calves are there grazing. Wait a minute. I just put all them in a cave. Now, so Brahma, he just, it's just a moment for him. It's a moment's time for him. He just put them, put them, tucked them all away with his mystic power and looks back and there they are. But on the earthly atmosphere where Krishna's putting on his pastimes, it's a year. So it gives you an idea of the difference of times between residence on a heavenly, heavenly planet and then what to speak of Brahma's, you know, such a loka, the topmost planet, material planet in the universe. Krishna also has a couple planets here in our universe, but that's for another discussion at another time. But Brahma has the best, the best place going. Even above the greatest mystic yogas, Mahaloka, Tapaloka, Jana Loka, this is the lokas of all the people that are really knowledgeable. All the people that are really austere, Tapaloka, Mahaloka, all the people that are knowledgeable and austere. So, <laughs> above that, that's Brahma's place. And the best of the best, they resided there with him. But on earth, it's a year past. A year has come and gone, and... And Brahma just, just, just a second later, he comes. A moment, it says, is what does. A moment later. But where Krishna is enacting his pastime, Krishna is in that time zone, so to speak. So Krishna is in the earthly time zone, and he spent a year with, you know, as all the calves and cowherd boys. He's a nice guy, Krishna. He's letting Brahma do his thing. All right, go ahead. Think you have some mystic power. I have no problem with that. But how much is your mystic power compared to me? I've just expanded myself as all the calves and cowherd perfectly. So much so that the mothers and fathers and the mothers of the calves could not tell. There was no difference. You could say there was no difference. You could say well, there was a difference. There was Krishna and not not these, you know, not Krishna's associates. So that's the backstory of this section of the Bhagavatam that Jiva is using as his evidence for this item of tattva or spiritual truth. Satya Jana Nantananda Matraika Rasa Murtaya Atrista Buri Mahatmyam Mahatmya Api Yapa Nisadrisam The Vishnu forms were embodiments of the one absolute essence. Oh, I didn't get you up to this point. Oh, so. So Brahma looks back in the moment and there's all the calves and there's all the cowherd boys and they're having lunch with Krishna 
and he he takes a double take. Wait a minute! I just put these. I just stole them and put them in a in a cave, and now I look back and they're here. Are they in the cave? Is Krishna tricking me? This is Krishna. I was really didn't know it was actually the Krishna that I knew who who gave me directions on how to do the universe. But I wanted to check, so I just did this little mystic trick of mine. But now I'm confused. Are are the are the calves and the cowherd boys I stole in the cave? Or is Krishna moving them back and forth? That was one thing that went to him. Krishna is moving him so fast I can't see. He's running back and forth and he's faster than anything, so I can't perceive the difference. Or and he 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 posed in his mind different possibilities. And he was bewildered. That's why it's called the Brahma Vimohan Leela. Brahma's bewildered. He doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know what Krishna's up to. So Krishna shows him. And the way he shows him is he has taken the form of all the calves and the cowherd boys. But it's him. So what he does is while Brahma is looking at him and the calves and the cowherd boys that are with him, not the ones that are in the cave, while he's looking at them, he transforms all the calves and the cowherd boys into his Vishnu forms. The Supreme Lord has unlimited forms. And the specific form the Lord takes with his most intimate lovers is that of a young cowherd boy. We call that form of the Lord Krishna. And the scripture supports that that's the highest manifestation of the Godhead. In the Srimad Bhagavatam, it's say, stated, Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam, that the, the topmost manifestation of Bhagavan is that of Krishna. But he also has other spiritual atmospheres where for other worshippers of him, where people that, that, that are attracted to Buddha or Rama or Vishnu, even Shiva, they can they see the Lord in that form and worship that form of the Lord and they're totally in love with that form of the Lord and content with that relationship they have with that form. Still, there are gradations. And it's kind of hard to sway people from their, from their form of the Lord and nobody really wants to do that. So this Vishnu form is the form that resides in a, in a majority of planets in the spiritual world. Those planets are not as large as Goloka Vrindavan. But then again, there's no size in the spiritual realm, so that's another discussion. Vishnu forms are generally four-armed forms of the Supreme Lord, they're uh, dark like a rain cloud wearing uh, uh, yellow garments and specific jewels, specific um, instruments in their hands, a club, lotus flower, a chakra, conch shell two for benedicting and two for defending his devotees. Um, so Krishna let Brahma see a transformation of all these calves and cowherd boys into Vishnu forms 
of his very self. And it was, it was an overwhelming revelation, which itself would take an entire class to explain. It, they actually saw, you know, Brahma saw these forms of Vishnu, and he saw these forms being worshipped by, by all living entities, by all the Lord's energies, and by all the Brahmas, of which he was just one. So he had quite a revelation. So this verse that Jeeva is using as his evidence goes as follows. The Vishnu forms, that's the forms that Brahma saw, were embodiments of the one absolute essence, constituted of unalloyed being, consciousness, and infinite bliss alone. Their infinite glory was certainly untouched even by those blessed with the vision of the Upanishads. So some words in the verse that Sukadev Goswami speaks here. Satya, Satya Jana Nantananda, Satya, they were real. They existed. Satchitananda. So, for there to be anything, there has to be sat. We, everything that we have any perception of, including ourself, is sat. It exists. Now, the nature of its existence, that may be different from one thing to another. Some things are eternal and some things are temporary. Some things have no beginning, some things have no ending, some things have no beginning and no ending. So, such, they were real. These forms of the Lord were real. Jananantananda, the forms were full of consciousness and bliss. So they were, they were, they were full forms of the Supreme. They had existence. They were conscious of their existence. Sometimes you can exist and there are living entities that exist that don't really recognize that they're existing. Or you can be aware of your existence. That's a much better thing. I exist and I know I exist. But why do I exist? Well, if you have that down then you have the, a well-rounded idea of yourself. Satchitananda. I exist, I have cognition of my existence, I'm aware of it, and I exist to enjoy. Ananda. So Satchitananda. That way the, the, the soul is often referred to this by all, all classes of transcendentalists. The essence of all of us is Satchitananda. Eternity knowledge and bliss. I exist, I'm aware of that I exist, and I exist for a purpose. I exist to enjoy. Now we take that to the extreme. Well, the topmost enjoyment that we've come across is love. So that opens up a whole new world to us. Well, what is love? What's the nature of love? Why do you say that love of the material world is, is, is not the highest manifestation? On and on and on. <laughs> Ekarasa, remaining eternally the same one form means that they were beyond the influence of time, these Vishnu forms. So these are all words that are, can be drawn out from the verse that Sukadev Goswami is saying in relationship to the lords manifesting these Vishnu forms for Brahma. Though there were unlimited forms, they were all one with Krishna, the Advaya Tattva, who is free from duality. These forms were not different from each other 
in the way that one table is different from another. Viranti tat tat vavidas tat vavyas janam advayam this non-dual supreme absolute Brahmati, Paramatmati, Bhagavaniti, Sabjate. So this la- this verse is the last in a series of verses where Sukadev has explained this revelation that Brahma experienced. Jiva Goswami now goes on to quote Sridhar Swami's commentary on this verse from the Israel. Srimad Bhagavatam. In this verse, the term matra alone in the phrase, the Vishnu forms of being, consciousness, and bliss alone. In other words, there was no admixture of anything else. They were pure existence, pure awareness, and pure enjoyment. There was it's, those forms weren't like our forms. We also have an essence of Satchitananda, a pure essence. But there's a lot of other stuff mixed in when we take on a material body and live with the mentality of exploitation in this world, which is the only way you could survive in this world. There's no alternative. You cannot survive with a material body without living at the expense of another. Now you can, even while in this material world, great mystics and yogis can push the limit to a very, very extreme state. We call those Hiranyakasipu or Jivan Mukta. <laughs> they both have, appro- have, have approached this point of being in the material world and no longer having a material body. Uh, so great transcendentalists, great spiritualists. Um, and Ranamak uh, super materialists like Aranyamakasipu. But that's another story we'll save for another time. Indicates that their color and other attributes cannot be other than aspects of their essential nature. So they're, they're alone. They're, they're pure Satchitananda. It's not like they added the color to the form. The, the form is their essential being. There is no difference. This is also difficult for us to wrap our mind around, that the supreme absolute truth can have a form which is pure consciousness, pure awareness, and pure enjoyment, and it can take what appears to be a material form and have its own distinctive personality and still be non-dual in its nature. Mm. Neither Sri Sukadev nor Sridhar Swami could have intended the word Morti formed to mean the formless self. What Jeeva is bringing out here is Both in the commentary and the verse itself, the word morti is used. But it could not be seen in the context of the Leela, in the context of the Bhagavatam presentation that's being made by Sukadev Goswami. This form of the Lord could not be seen in any way as being, as meaning the formless self. What do we mean by the formless self? That concept of the Supreme, which is without form, Brahman, Brahmati. It couldn't be that, is what Jeeva's saying. And 
he goes on, or anything else here, since it would be an obtruse exercise of imagination to ignore the direct meaning, the direct meaning in the context of what's being presented, which suits the present context, and resort to an indirect one instead. Neither of them would have done that, is what Jeeva is saying. Furthermore, such an interpretation would run contrary to the context as it would spoil the flavor or tone, rasa, imparted to the description of the four terms, aprista, untouched. Uh, and then he goes back to the words in the verse uh, to make the point. I'll stop there and ask if anybody has any questions. Yes, I have one. Mm -hmm. um, let me see if I can ask it the correct way. When you talked about the people that have a closer relationship, talking about a normal person versus people, gurus or people that grow into spirituality, there's nothing to stop us from having a close personal relationship with our higher power. So do you have to move up into those states of you don't have to do anything. You have your in free will. Oh, in order to recognize the Supreme and have a full revelation? Yes. Yeah, there are practically all the scriptures of the world speak of the fact that it's very difficult for one to, to serve two masters. So they, when they speak in that way, they're referring to trying to maintain... A relationship with all that is temporary and trying to develop a relationship with all that is eternal. We generally get wrapped up in our environment and the consciousness that, that puts those two things at odd at odds. Is it possible? Anything's possible. But if we're to look to the history of all religious tradition or spiritual tradition, we find generally there is this marked turning of consciousness, an actual turning of consciousness away from the material life and towards the spiritual life. It's hard for us to serve two masters. What if that material life is not the master? They they have to live in it, right? Yeah. They have to eat, sleep, have shelter. No one's denying that. So what are the, all these material things you're talking about? Well, we can see people that only live to exploit other people. Okay, right. We I'm see people that only live to exploit children, to exploit women, to exploit men, to exploit lower living entities. And we see people that live a balanced life like you're speaking of, that don't have those tendencies. So what, what generally the sadhus are saying is those tendencies, they're not harmonious with spirituality, this exploitive mentality. So you have to, you have to turn your consciousness away from exploitation and into devotion to the Supreme in order to fully have revelation on that plane of existence. Doesn't say to give a, to walk away from the world. Krishna never told Arjuna, he said, no, you've got to fight. You are a warrior, but you need to fight for me. Don't fight for your family. Don't fight to get a big kingdom. You have to fight for me. If you fight for me, you can fight. And you can kill for me. But if you kill for yourself, you're going to be held responsible. If you kill for me, and I've told you to do so, then, then I take the responsibility. I'll deal with it. I'll take your karma. In fact, there'll be no karma in that killing. And even the people you kill, because you're doing it for me, and because I am the supreme, the people that are killed are going to be benefited, as much as you'll be benefited by killing them. Just see what I can do. I am God. 
And that's what the Bhagavad Gita is saying. There's a difference between us and God, and He can He can make everything fit together. Yes, there's a distinction and we have to that's why there is a turning of consciousness required. It doesn't speak of not having a balanced main well maintained life in the world of man. The sadhus live in the world of man. The Dalai Lama travels around the world and meets and greets and, you know, preaches all religious teachers do that. But they don't live in the world like somebody that's simply out to call the world their own and will do anything to be to be put forward on a pedestal and and be able to uh to dominate everyone. We've seen what happened to those kind of men. We've seen the Stalins and the Hitlers and the going back, the Alexanders and the Napoleons, I mean, those kind of people are in the world. They don't have, not all of them, not hardly any of them have God consciousness. They haven't turned their consciousness towards God in their desire to exploit man. But the people that want to serve God want to serve man too because they, they've gradually come to this revelation of a chinta beta beta tattva. That if I'm going to serve God, I'm going to see that God is not only in his, has his own existence and personality and, and, and beauty to himself, but there's a part of him in everyone. So, yes, there's a difference between the consciousness and that is why we pursue what's called God consciousness. Of course, we we like the name Krishna because when we say that, that encompasses a, a vision of the Lord which is the sweetest of the sweet in our estimation. Other people like Rama. Some people like Buddha. Some people like, you know, it's okay. But understand that the Lord is all, the, all those different manifestations and millions more. We can never come to an end of those unlimited manifestations of the Supreme according to the methodology of a person's love they will be drawn to one of these eternal transcendental forms of the Lord that doesn't mean you can make your own form up though that's something for another discussion does that answer your question? a little bit okay good We'll take a little bit tonight. Thank you so much for your association. Roger Kopitu, Mr. Jacobson, to be with John.